and said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. According to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Jesus uses his visit to two sisters as an occasion to remind disciples that an important aspect of obedience is single minded devotion to Jesus and his word. Luke writes Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. So, Sundays in the summer, as we're down here, it's a little more intimate setting and it's an opportunity to have a little more back and forth. And so, welcome to school. Uh, Blackwood, don't you wish we had this upstairs? I could use this all every summer. Right? <laughs> so one of the things we did last summer with this opportunity was I asked you to tell me what you think a sermon should contain, uh, what you think uh, would be the ways to evaluate the sermon, and we kind of went over and you gave me some ideas and we kind of went over how that could be. Um, because ultimately, you're supposed to be understanding what the message is and what the message is supposed to be, um, as well as anybody else. It's your responsibility to make sure that that message is being conveyed. Um, so today I want to make a, a little bit of a broader question, which is the job of a pastor. What would you say are the things that are part of the job of a pastor in any church? What are the things that people should expect to a pastor? I think it's great when a pastor is able to convey the true nature of God's love and mercy for his people. The true nature of God's love and mercy. So we get a good theological understanding of how God is there for us. What else should a pastor be doing? Mm -hmm. I have my list here, so I guess I'll check it out. Listening. Listening? So 
they are the ceremonial, du ceremonial duties. And then there's helping people. We're going to put that next to this thing. Visiting shut-ins. kind of like administration. Yeah. A minister is someone who administers. There's a there's a semantic connection there. Preaching and teaching, communicating scripture. So, you knew all this, right? You probably all could have come up with most of this list if I made you silently a lot of piece of paper. Is there anything we're missing? Maybe you think about I think some of the things we're missing. Um, should I leave this on the blackboard so we know this, or do we know this? So how do we know this? Where is this recorded or written down? Where would you look to figure out what that list is? Where do we keep track of how the church functions, what it does, what its purpose is? Gary knows. I don't. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't. Even from the very beginning, I think it's what the apostles did and in Acts, we see that they went out mm -hmm. and those are, they set up the communities, they explained God's nature, they did all of those things from the very beginning. So a lot of it comes from scripture, right? Scripture is the source of that. But when it comes to ordination and administrative things like, you know, recording membership and who is a member and who's elected to represent the congregation, how a pastor is called. There are those things. Constitution, very good. So all of this would be things that would be spelled out in the Constitution. There would be a list that would say these are the things the pastors do, and I just happen to have that page in the Constitution. So the first thing, what do you think the first thing is? Because I think there's a there's a primacy to the way they order these things. And this this what do you think is the first thing on the list? Preaching is the first thing on the list. And what it says is, preach the word. Um, so it, said, it could say preach scripture, or it could say preach the gospel, but what it says is preach the word. And by word it means the word, by which we mean Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word made flesh, the word came into the world. So preach Jesus. 
and it's uh, described in the way of the Word, Jesus as the Word. Um, the next thing is administer the sacraments. Um, so we have ceremonies, um, but we also have sacraments. Right? Those kind of go together, but they're also a little distinct. Conduct public worship. Um, we go along with preaching the scripture, but there's more to worship than just uh, the preaching, right? Provide pastoral care uh, is the next one on the list. So we have that. People had a lot of uh, attention to that. Someone said we need to listen, we need to help people, we need to visit people, we need to bring the sacrament to people. Um, that's the fourth thing on the list, but I think a lot of people see that very prominently as something that the pastor should be doing. The next one is seek out and encourage qualified persons to prepare for the ministry of the gospel. So that constitutionally is something I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be looking around <laughs> to find people who need to be encouraged to be ministering. And most pastors don't think about that on a regular basis. Most pastors don't have a plan for how to do that. And a number of pastors I've known have, you know, just not done it, it just happened. Someone's come to them and said, you know, I'm thinking that I might have a call to ministry. Um, and I know a couple of pastors have said, you know, the person who's come to me has been 50 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, and I was looking for, you know, a 16-year-old. <laughs> and maybe a 16-year-old male, you know, in terms of people's concept of who would be starting out to be a minister. Um, so, we have uh, lifted up someone to the synod who's gone through the call process and has been approved for ministry, and that's Martha. Um, Martha was ordained in another tradition, and she wanted to become a Lutheran pastor, and so she's gone through that process. So I can check off that thing that I was supposed to do, which is to, to seek out or and or to encourage someone in ministry. Um, Barbara Jorgensen has gone through diaconia. Philip has gone through diaconia. Um, we'd like other people to learn about it, to think about diaconia, and, and learning how that's a way to help us in any way that we might want to learn more about our faith, to learn more about the church and how to serve the church. Uh, the next one is important knowledge of this church and its wider ministry through distribution of its communications and publications. Um, so that's something we do. Everybody here should be getting a copy of the Lutheran. Um, emails from me will forward things from the larger church, from either the Metro New York Synod or from the ELCA. Um, every year I try to bring someone from the larger church. We had someone who does campus ministry. We had someone who works with Ruth and Social Services. Uh, we had the presiding bishop uh, of the ELCA. Um, so I kind of send that out and I share it. I also uh, seek to bring people physically to this church um, to let us know. And we've been doing um, these uh, capital grants, and that began with a visit from some from the Synod office coming here and telling us about grant opportunities. Uh, the next one is witness to the kingdom of God in the community, the nation, and abroad. Um, so we talked about that. So that can be kind of reaching out. Reaching out can be reaching out to help, to feed the hungry, uh, and to do stuff like that. And it also could be to bring that message, uh, which is also what we mean when we say evangelism. Letting people know what the Christian message is and uh, letting them hear that and experience that. Now the next one I don't see up here. The next one is speak publicly in the world, speak publicly to the world, 
in solidarity with the poor and oppressed, calling for justice and proclaiming God's love for the world. So who knew that that was there? I didn't know that was there. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You knew that was there. Okay, so you've been looking at the Constitution. We just passed this a year ago, right? Um, so that's right there with preaching and pastoral care and evangelism and sacraments. Speak publicly to the world. So we have the internet, right? I can speak publicly to the world in, a, in an almost liberal sense. Uh, in solidarity with the poor and oppressed, calling for justice and proclaiming God's love for the world. And then uh, there are other things in terms of installing council members um, and relating to schools that are part of our organization, uh, to administer discipline, uh, to increase support for the uh, ELCA. Um, but those ones that I mentioned, those eight that we just reviewed, are in Section 8, which is kind of the, the primary ones. And then the others are more kind of like coming out of that almost in a sense. Um, so related to the idea of speaking to the world, um, one of the ways that I try to do that is not by, you know, what do I think about the poor and oppressed, but what is the ELCA doing about that? And the ELCA specifically has written social statements that they come up with regarding criminal justice, regarding abortion, regarding the death penalty, regarding the environment. Um, and that's something that when I say the ELCA comes up with that, I mean we come up with those, right? We and everyone across the nation come up with that. Next month, the ELCA is having its triennial gathering. And there's a social statement, which we looked at last year in the draft form, which was about women and justice. And that's not the full title, but it's women and justice or something like that. So that's going to come before the assembly in uh, Milwaukee um, to debate, to discuss, to amend, and to pass. Um, and it talks about the way in which we understand our faith, the way in which we speak about God, and the way in which we organize ourselves, and the way in which we understand leadership in our church in terms uh, of looking at it through a lens of gender justice and understanding the, the importance of gender. So that's um, one of the things in, way in which I try to fill out this way of speaking to the world about justice and the oppressed is to understand that the ELCA is working together to discern how our faith would have us do that um, and how we understand what's going on in the world today as a way to understand how to do that. Um, also, I worked with my interfaith colleagues and specifically the interfaith colleagues that I know personally and that I meet with personally, uh, we will from time to time see something going on in the world that we think we'd like to speak upon. Uh, and so typically we write a letter to the editor. Uh, so those of you who see the Westmore News, you'll see letters to the editor from myself and the local rabbi um, talking about issues that are concerned. So next week, we're going to be sending a letter to the Westmore News. And I'm going to pre pre preview that for you now. You've got an advanced copy. It's embargoed, so you can't share it. That's what they say in press releases. They say embargoed, right? Um, but I'll read this for you. So it says, recently, our president has expressed frustration with his critics by suggesting that they are, if they are not entirely happy with the state of our nation, they should leave. He added incorrectly that they should go back to their home country. The Bible, and this is from myself and from the rabbi and from the Presbyterian minister, the Bible is filled with prophets who let the rulers of the nations know about their mistakes and to point out the things that they shouldn't do and the things that they should do. Clergy today 
while not prophets, are charged with carrying those messages today as they may apply today. We have, as clergy, a difficult position of challenging our members and our communities to be better. We do this not because of a presumption of superiority, but because God's words are urging us, and our concern for all communities, for our communities, is commanded by our traditions. God told the prophet Jeremiah that if people who had been taken into captivity should work to improve the community for all. Jeremiah says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Some people have suggested alternatives to the president's suggestion. So these are alternatives for what you might say. In the event that you are not happy with the country, you could, you can, call your elected officials. Volunteer to make things better. Donate to a cause you believe in. Read the news and educate yourself on the underlying issues and the alternatives. You can protest and you can run for office. Isn't it a, a strong sense that something is wrong that impels people to run for office? Isn't it everyone who is in public office you know, did that because they felt the sense that there was something wrong that they needed to address? A pressing concern about the country that is somehow in the wrong direction or not having it or lacking direction? To say that critics should leave is to deny their right to participate as a democracy is meant to allow them to, to ignore the principle that is central to what a democracy is. It is to deny them that they have anything to contribute as if their views and experience don't matter. Who among us has the authority to decide who stays and who leaves? Should our government silence dissent? In the time of division and distrust, faith communities and houses of worship should work to, as Isaiah says, be repairers of the breach, the restorers of streets to live. In the latest of many cooperative endeavors, we are offering an interfaith introduction and conversation about the Bible with Jewish and Christian clergy. Our sacred texts give us our identity and can either encourage cooperation or divide us as people of different faiths. We invite the community to conversation with an overview of the Bible to learn about this work of repair and the need for a community to initiate it and to sustain it. And that's signed by myself and our rabbi next door and our Presbyterian minister.